Our first reading from the prophet Jeremiah in the 26th chapter. And when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priests and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him saying, you shall die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord saying, this house shall be like Shiloh and this city shall be desolate without inhabitant? And all the people gathered around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the officials of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and took their seat in the entry of the new gate of the house of the Lord. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and to all the people, This man deserves the sentence of death because he has prophesied against this city, as you have heard with your own ears. Then Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the words you have heard. Now therefore mend your ways and your deeds and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against you. But as for me, behold, I am in your hands. Do with me as seems good and right to you. Only know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and its inhabitants. For in truth, the Lord sent me to speak to you, to speak all these words in your ears. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading this day from Philippians in the third chapter. Brothers, join in me and join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body and by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise as you are so able in honor of the gospel. From Luke's Gospel in the 13th chapter. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go, tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow. And the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as hens gather her brood under her wing? And you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. 
I don't often run in a suit. <laughs> Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the love which you have showered upon us and calling us into a place where we hear your word and receive your sacraments as you come to be present with us. We pray, Lord, that you be with us by your Spirit, that you would remove distractions from our hearts and minds and lead us ever to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. As we've entered into this season of Lent, it seems like so long ago that we just walked out of the season of Epiphany. It's one you all know well, right? It's on your mind every day you wake up after Christmas, right? You get done with the 12 days of Christmas, and then you're in Epiphany, and you're like, now it's Epiphany. Okay, maybe you don't actually think about that every day. But the season of Epiphany, what it is, is we read and we hear from God's Word And it reveals to us, because that's what an epiphany is, a revelation, a making known of things. It reveals to us who God or who Jesus is as God, that he's man and divine, that he's everything all wrapped up into one. And then we hit this season of Lent after finding out who Jesus is. We now get to see what he's up to during Lent, why he's come what's going on in all of it. And as we enter into the season of Lent, last Sunday, we heard Jesus baptized and then straight out of the waters and sent into the wilderness for fasting and prayer for 40 days and led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted. And at the end of those 40 days, Satan comes over and says, I bet you're hungry, aren't you? And Satan tempts his identity. See, and I, th- I think we read that, and we say, okay, that's fine, but in my life, I've dealt with temptations in a different way. I haven't seen Satan in physical form or heard his voice in my ear tempting me in such a direct way as he did with Jesus, and thanks be to God for that. But see, in today's reading, the temptations continue, and I'm really quite thankful for it because it gives a real-world setting to see Jesus still handling temptations coming his way. So, a few chapters earlier in Luke, we hear from Luke that Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem. That's the old Hebrew way of saying nothing's going to deter him from his course or his mission. That's his goal, that's his direction, that's where he's going, and he's going to get it accomplished. There's nothing that's going to turn his face away to the left or the right. He's going right to Jerusalem. And as he's there, some Pharisees come over, and for good or ill intent, it's hard to tell, they come over and they say, get away from here. Save your life. Save yourself. Herod wants to kill you. You will die if you stay here, Jesus. I kind of imagine him smiling a little bit and going, well, yeah, that's kind of the point. But he looks at them. I'm sure smiling a bit, and after we've already heard one of three wills and desires in this text, right? We hear Herod's will, that he wants to kill Jesus. He looks at these Pharisees and he says, you, you guys, go tell that fox. Go tell Herod, this mean and deceitful and deceiving man. Go tell him the one who is so scared of opposition that he kills everybody that gets in his way. Go tell him that my course isn't changing. I'm going to be casting out demons today 
I'm going to be curing people tomorrow. And the third day, I'll finish my course. But there's nothing that's going to shake me from today, tomorrow, and the next day. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. So you tell him that nothing's going to deter me. And then we hear some of the most beautiful words of Jesus. Heartfelt, broken words where he cries out and laments over Jerusalem. His people. I mean, the promised land that has the temple, the promised place of God's presence, the place where King David had gathered everybody together, the place where all of God's work was being done, the nearby cities where Jesus was born and where his ministry was happening, and then this heart of all of it in Jerusalem, and Jesus cries out and says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have and willed and desired and wanted to gather you together into my presence, to protect you from all the things that would attack you and harm you, to gather you together as a hen gathers her brood when things are about to attack her chicks. But you wouldn't have it. You didn't want any part of me. You wanted to be separate from me. Stand apart from me and not be protected by what I have to give you, but to walk away and stand on your own and take everything of one of my gifts for granted. And you'd rather send me away. For that, your house is forsaken. It will fall. It's oftentimes in our lives we hear God's word. We receive his gifts. And they're taken for granted. Because sometimes we don't quite realize those gifts that are coming. We see them here in a very pure and clear way when we hear words of forgiveness spoken. And that is such a gift. We need it weekly. We receive Jesus' body and blood and the sacrament placed into our hands so that we can uh, feed on that both physically and spiritually. God gives of himself for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith. And yet as we walk away from this place, sometimes we miss the gifts that come daily through work or vocation or friends or family. We start to take those for granted at times. When we abuse the gifts of God and we get distracted by what He has set us out to do and who He has promised to be for us, and we start to abuse those things. Yet even, Through all of that, Jesus has not changed his course. Through all of the times that we have maybe abused those gifts, he has not changed his uh, will or want for you at all. And his work continues and his love continues because he has a steadfast love for you. And as those were there listening to Jesus and they hear him say one last thing and he says, look, you will see me again. You will see me again. My course will be finished. And you're not going to see me, though, until the day when everybody says, Behold, he who comes in the name of the Lord, the one who has come to save and the one who has come to lead us out. As we watch Jesus in these moments, we see him there today, and tomorrow, go all the way to the cross. Receive the whippings of words and the whippings of 
lashes and everything else from Herod and Pilate and the people and ends up at the cross there for our sins. A place where we deserve to be, but as he stands in our place and is there, we even hear his words, it is finished. He's right, of course. Sins are paid for. There is nothing left to do to give payment for the sacrifice for our sins. He has completed it. It is filled up. There is nothing left that is needed. He has done it perfectly, yet it wasn't the end of the course. He kept going. Yes, it was a moment where things stopped. Yes, it was a moment where he rested in the tomb. Yes, it was a moment where we didn't see him for three days. Yet the course wasn't finished. The course wasn't complete. There's a video I watched just earlier this week, and I wish I had more details for you. But it was of a race. It was a straight race, maybe a 100-meter or 200-meter hurdle. Everybody was lined up, and the man that was on the right-hand side starts running when the guns go off, and he's in the lead up until the first hurdle, and everybody you see straddling over the hurdle, and he hits it and goes right down. And at that moment, there's a lot of folks that either would have stayed down or just walked off the track, gone back to the coach, taken a disqualified and said, that's it. It was really quite beautiful. This man sat there for a second, got back up, knowing he wasn't going to win, and continued the course. A little bit slower, hurdle after hurdle after hurdle, and he finished. The cross was but an immense hurdle for Jesus. Victorious, though, over death and victorious over sin and victorious over the grave, he rose again on Easter morning for those to see him walking once again and alive, the course still going. And as he walked around with everybody else proclaiming that he has given life over death and that death no more reigns, but he, the one who has come in the name of the Lord, stands before them only to arise, go to the side of his Father, and promise once again that he would come. See, that course still going. His work still continuing. His victory just as sweet and never to be taken away, but handed to you as a gift. As his victory is your victory. In your baptism, he placed that victory upon you and your identity rests in him so on the day that he comes back and every knee shall bow and say, Behold, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they see Jesus in all of his glory back in and amongst his creation to gather his people together under his wings and to bring them into eternity in his presence. At the victorious day, with a victorious meal celebrated with our God, our King, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus, and in his name, amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the work that you have done through your Son, Jesus, that in him we have victory over death, we have victory over sin. Not because of anything that we have brought to the table, but all because of what he has done for us. We pray, Lord, that each day as we wake, you send us out, knowing that you have loved us completely, and fully in Jesus. In his name we pray.
Amen.